Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Good morning. Before uh, we start the message this morning, I thought we'd do something a little different, give a little shout out to our podcast audience. So welcome. How about we give them a welcome this morning, hey? Great to have you joining us. Modern technology allowing what God's doing here to be broadcast for free all around the world. Uh, And uh, our podcast audience continues to grow. The number of listeners, the number of countries. uh, Stryer, Stryer is uh, still our number one uh, country. Uh, The US has actually bumped Japan off as the number two recently. So uh, Japan, come on, pick it up. And and then just this month, we have a new number three country. Um, I'd ask you to guess, but as smart as you are, you're never gonna guess. And so let me just give it to you. The answer is Jamaica. So Jamaica, uh, welcome. Great to have you sitting up there at number three. If you're some rich, retired oil tycoon uh, that's uh, anchored off the coast of Jamaica and you're interested in sponsoring some people to come over for a holiday uh, at your expense on your yacht. Anyone interested here? Anyone this morning? Okay, there's about, just about 20 of us that would love you to bring us over there. It'd be great. Just uh, contact us via our website. Fantastic. Question. Has anyone ever slept in a bunk bed? Anyone ever slept in a bunk bed? Okay, all right, good, good, yeah. Anyone ever slept in the top level of a bunk bed? All right, so here's the thing. Let me, give you, let, me, let me give you a couple of quick images up here of bunk beds. Now, one of these beds is not like the other. And I'm not talking about how it's staged. I mean, obviously the one on the other side is that of a teenager. But uh, what you might uh, not notice straight away is this one, this first one, has on the top level, guardrails, and the second one does not. I wonder if there's a law against that. Because uh, listening to uh, my favourite podcast, The Relevant Podcast, a few months ago, one of the presenters there talked about when he was in college, uh, he he had the top bunk in his college dorm, and uh, his mate, who was college dorm mate on the bottom level, uh, had a friend stay over, some guy, some rando, the guy that's on the top bed, didn't even know the guy on the, on the thing, and they made him sleep on the floor, just put out a mattress on the floor. So the guy presenting on the podcast, he said, I was up at the top, my dorm mate as usual on his, and then some guy on the floor, and he said, and then my only memory of that evening is waking up in midair, about to land, chest on chest, on the guy lying on the floor. And here's the thing. I would think that would have been entirely preventable by the simple placement of guardrails. See, guardrails come in very, very handy when you're going off course. This is true in bunk beds. It's true in driving. We have various types of road furniture now uh, on our highways and byways. We do have guardrails for some of the sort of more precarious turns. One of the somewhat more innocuous, less obvious things are these things called rumble strips. And uh, rumble strips typically come in one of two designs. They're either raised or they're a series of divots. But either way, 
when you drive over them, you will hear the sound, something to the effect of and they will give you a nice relieving massage for a while. But the point is, it's not the intention for us to stay driving on the rumble strips. In fact, the rumble strips have one job. They're to scream at you when you hit them, you're moving in the wrong direction. And we meant to hit them and then we're meant to course correct. And it's important to notice though, that when we hit the rumble strips, the rumble strips don't correct us. The rumble strips merely warn us. And the, the, the responsibility of correction is on us. And God does the very same thing. God recognises that we don't just drift when we're driving, that we can actually drift in pursuit of His promises. That God calls us, to, and, and gives us promises. And then, and then it's our responsibility to, to chart our course and to live a life that's heading in that direction. However, it's easy to drift. And God knows it's easy to drift. And so He's put in rumble strips that are designed to give us a warning when we're drifting. His Word, we call it the Bible, has a whole series of rumble strips, things that when we read it, that, that, that God's Word will scream at us, hey, you're moving in the wrong direction. He has His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit doesn't typically scream at us, but, but will still speak when we're drifting and give us a sense of, hey, hey, you're moving in the wrong direction. God also puts people in our lives that, 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 that love us, and that, and that have hopefully built a platform of trust and God will use them to say, you know what? If, you would, if, if I noticed you were drifting, would you want me to point that out? And, and hopefully they'll say, yeah, I really would. That'd be very loving of you. That'd be a great gift. Thanks. And, then, and, and because you have that, you say, you know what? When it happens, you say, you know what? I'm, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. I'm not trying to shame me. But you know how he said that if I saw you drifting, you'd, you'd want me to tell you, I noticed this thing. What do you... Now, again, these are just warnings. You can read the Bible and not course correct. You can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and not course correct. You can have a loving friend and not course correct. The course correction is still up to us. And then there's a fourth mechanism, and that's the one I want to talk about this morning. So if you've got our Elevate app, you can tap on the Bible tile, and it's going to take you to a slice of a letter that Paul, one of the, the sort of big prime movers of the early church, wrote to a church in a place called Ephesus. Now, little bit of history here. Ephesus was a port city. It was the capital of Asia Minor, what was known as Asia Minor in the Roman Empire at the time. Very, very significant city. And uh, Paul spent the longest time there that he spent any of any of the places he spent. And he was just preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus and preaching. Now, when Paul typically would set up shop and launch a church in an area and start preaching Jesus, the people that he uh, upset normally were the Roman authorities because they saw the church growing. And they saw it as a threat to their authority. In Ephesus, it was a bit different. In Ephesus, there was a temple called the Temple of Diana and they used to make little silver souvenirs. So people that travelled there would buy a souvenir, take it back to the family. Hey, just been Ephesus, got your little something. And, this, and, and so many people started following Jesus in Ephesus and no longer following Diana, who, who this temple was about, that it actually affected the trade of the silversmiths. So the silversmiths got together, had a union meeting and decided that they needed to throw Paul and his mates out of Ephesus. So eventually got run out of town. 
Paul eventually found himself in prison and he wrote later on this letter to this church. And we're just camping out there for three weeks. I've invited all of you to, to read it. It's six chapters. And when you read it, you'll see it's essentially broken into two sections. And the first section is the blessing section where Paul's in that prison and he's writing about just how incredibly awesome it is to follow Jesus. Did you know? And he rolls out this. If you follow Jesus, you've got this going for you and access to this. And God says this about you. And God wants to do this for you. And man, and he just goes on and on. There's one sentence in this letter. It's the longest sentence in the entire Bible. You kind of, when you read it, you get the impression that Paul, when he started writing about the blessings, he was like, oh yeah, oh, oh, oh better not forget. Oh, there's, oh yeah, thanks. And he just kept writing and writing. There's one sentence about just how immeasurably what God can do for us. Incredible. And, uh, and then he moves on to the behaviour section. And the behaviour section is that knowing that God is all these things in your life, knowing that Jesus has done and continues to do all of these things in your life, hey, wouldn't we want to live like that's true? Wouldn't we want to live like we are adopted? It's one of the, 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 the uh, metaphors he uses, that we're adopted by the King of Kings and we become sons and daughters of the King. So wouldn't we want to live like that? And then he starts giving instructions. This is actually how, he's kind of like, I'm going to assume you want to. So let me start unpacking that, giving some actual rubber meets the road. This is how we can actually live as sons and daughters of the king. And so this is one kind of rumble strippy thing that Paul wrote. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Now, back then people got around on foot. So Paul said, watch your step now. We mostly get around in vehicles. He wouldn't say necessarily, watch your step now. He might say, watch how you drive. Pay attention at the wheel. But again, it applies to our life, the direction we're going, the journey we're on. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. This cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge drafts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. And out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Have you ever, <clears throat> have you ever been about to do something and just before you do it, you, you kind of get this sense of no, 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 no. Anyone ever, anyone ever that? This kind of sense of, you know, we might say something like this. Like you're just about, you did, you're just about to say, you're just about to chew, you just about, and you hear this, this rumble strip. No, 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 uh, 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 uh. Silly, 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 bad, 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 bad. Well, Paul actually calls that the conscience. Now, I'm sure you've heard that concept, conscience, and you might think it comes from modern psychology. Well, it does, but that's because modern psychology have kind of figured out that there's something that God's baked into us. That when we're about to do something stupid, it'll say, no, 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 no. In fact, Paul wrote to the church in Rome about two things that he said really prove the existence of God. The first one was, was creation. He's writing a letter to them and he writes about creation, that, that, that 
you know, look at these magnificent sunsets. Look at the way that when the rain comes down from, from the skies and it, and it waters, it's just like, like, he says like, if you could see these things that we do, lands, beautiful landscapes painted, more beautiful than any painter could ever paint. If we look at these things and when we look at these things, if we think that there's nothing and nobody behind that, that in itself is like denying that there's a creator. These things, Paul said, give evidence that there's a creator. And we know this because Instagram is covered with people taking shots of some of that stuff saying, wow, 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 wow. Yet at the same time saying, well, this stuff just happens. And Paul says, no, 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 this is evidence. Creation is evidence of a creator. And then he, and then he said, then he wrote to them, in the, in the, he said, actually our conscience is also another evidence of a creator. See, animals don't equivocate like this. And I know this firsthand. We have four chickens at our urban farm. They are affectionately known as the real chickens of Kensington. And they occasionally, I think they've watched the movie, they occasionally escape from their chicken run. (laughs) And next to their chicken run is our vegetable patch. And the real chickens of Kensington, they really like vegetables. And so I've noticed when one of them escapes and I look out the back window on chicken watch. I have never once seen one of the escapees pacing back and forth in front of the vegetable patch going, oh, I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't, but oh, but I really want to, but I really want, but I know, but I know Mark's gonna be very upset at me, but, but boy, those greens do look good. Gee, I don't know, I shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't. And, 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 and there's that thing in me saying, no, 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 no. And I really should pay attention to that. Animals don't have that same mechanism built into them. But we do. And it's one of the things that sets us apart. And God's baked that into us so that when we're at an impasse between right and wrong, hopefully we'll listen to the rumble strip of our conscience. Now I get around on a Vespa. I don't have a car. I get around on a Vespa. And uh, it's, it's pretty low tech, but it does have a few features on the dashboard. I think they call it a dashboard, console. And one of them is a light, it's this yellow light. And every now and then that yellow light comes on. And, and the yellow light's got this sort of grey image etched into it of what looks like a, 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 a fuel, a petrol bowser. And it comes on, this yellow light in the background with this kind of, Grey, petrol bowsery, icony thing on it. It's very annoying. I find it very annoying. And some of you have that on the dashboard of your vehicle. Some of you even have late model cars, which not only have a light, but they also have an annoying sound. Bing, bing. Some of you, 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 you got a little bit of a, you know, sort of a next uh, level vehicle. You, you've even got one that tells you you will be out of fuel in 70 kilometres and then it says 60 kilometres and the light stays on and it keeps going bing. Very annoying. Very, very annoying. I'm like, come on now. And what I've discovered is there's two ways to make sure that light goes off. 
One is to pull over and put fuel in, but come on now, who's got time for that? And the other is just to keep on going and eventually that light will go out. (laughs) Happy days, problem solved. The light's off, no more bing, no more number on the dashboard telling me what to do, refuel, no. You know the boss of me, dashboard light, and you just keep going and you ignore it and it'll turn off. Unfortunately, that's how some people treat the rumble strips that God puts in front of us. Because the reality is that God wants to hold you back. And I say this, And some of you might be thinking, yeah, I know. God is a killjoy. He's against me. He wants to limit my freedom. He just wants to hold me back. And so you go in to do the business deal and you hear a but you ignore it because, you know, it's just so annoying. You're about to eat the donut and you hear this Step away from the donut. <laughs> and you just ignore it because it's so, so annoying. And the donut looks so glazed. <laughs> and you've already had five, so what's a sixth one gonna? Well, you're about to buy that thing that you don't really need, and you hear this, but you ignore it. I mean, Because God, you know, He's just a killjoy. He just wants to hold me back. I remember uh, when I was uh, growing up, um, my parents didn't have a lot of money and and, uh, uh, we would uh, be allowed, my brother and I, we would be allowed to go to takeout, to a takeout, they call it takeout back then, to a restaurant, wasn't really a restaurant, uh, to a restaurant uh, on our birthdays. And we would respectively get to choose which restaurant we could go to. Now, the choices were between, because this is all that was back then, just show my age, uh, Hungry Jack's, uh, Red Rooster, uh, Chicken Treat, or Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> what my Italian grandmother-in-law calls trucky trucky chicken. Um, And I remember this particular year, I chose Hungry Jack's in Midland. We lived in High Wycombe, so in Midland. And we parked the car, and I was so, so keen. I mean, this was my annual outing to a restaurant of my choosing. Hungry Jack's, Midland. Man, I'm like, I have made it. And so I was standing on one side of Great Eastern Highway next to my mother, and I decided I'm just going to go for it. I'm gonna leave this curb because this curb is holding me back. And there's Hungry Jack's, the promised land, the land of the Holy Whopper. And I'm going all in on that thing. So I decide to just start sprinting across Great Eastern Highway. And no, I had not paid attention to Fat Cat telling me that I should first look to the left, look to the right, and look to the left again. No, I just went for it. And my mother, using every ounce of her maternal instinct, did sort of the Indian rubber man trick and just reached out and grabbed me and hauled me back in on the inside of that curb. And I could have turned around to her and I said, Mom, 
You just want to hold me back. You want to limit my freedom. I want a whopper and I want it now. But my loving mother didn't just want to hold me back. She wanted to hold me back from danger. And when God tries to hold us back, it's because he's trying to hold us back from danger. When he says, don't go through with that business deal. I know you're going to make a fast buck on it, but it's going to turn around to bite you in the long run. If we get this, the whole sentence, that's a God who doesn't want to hold us back, full stop, who wants to hold us back from danger. Then when we hear that, hopefully we'll understand the motive and hopefully we'll be more likely to course correct. Use your head, Paul said. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. This is the stuff to highlight. If you're reading this in our app, you can highlight it. You'll figure out how. Get your, one of your children to show you. I would probably highlight, use your head. That's good advice. I'd probably highlight, make the most of every chance you get. That's good advice. I'd certainly highlight, don't live uncarelessly. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. And I'm gonna come back to this, but I'd probably recommend you highlight, make sure you understand what the master wants. See, one of the things that God uses rumble strips for is to get us to say no to things we thought were a good idea to say yes to. But if we say yes, we're gonna drift into danger. And I'm so grateful for that. That he says, you're thinking that's a good idea, but I think I know more and better than you. And so I'm telling you, and hopefully we'll cause correct but then there's, a, there's another side to the same coin of why God uses rumble strips. He, he, he uses rumble strips to get us to steer away from things that we were gonna say yes to that would have been a bad idea. But he also uses rumble strips to get our attention for the things that we might have said no to that God wanted us to say yes to. Because it's, and I don't say this to judge you, and I'm guilty of the same crime, if you are as well, that in my life, there have been certain things that God's asked me to do, not just asked me not to do. There's been certain things He's asked me to do. And for whatever reason, at the time or in that season or in that circumstance, I've said no. And I'm grateful that sometimes God gives me a second chance. I'm grateful that though I've said no in the past, when He wanted me to say yes, that occasionally as I keep going in my life, I'll get a second chance and it'll sound like this. There's a yes. There's something I've asked you to do. There's a promise I've got for you, but you'll only take a hold of that promise on the other side of a yes. And you've said no before, and I wish you hadn't, but you did. But because I love you, I'm gonna give you another go. I'm gonna give you another chance. And the way we course correct when God gives us this second chance to say yes to things we previously said no to is by simply saying yes. 
Oh, I've said no before. Yeah, okay. This time, say yes. Now, I've been in church leadership for over half my very short life, and um, I resent that giggling from the front row. (laughs) And I've heard people, when God's asked them to do something, I've heard them say, or at least kind of give off the vibe, God, you can't tell me what to do. Now, none of you have ever said that. I get it. But some people do. Some people in lesser churches do this. God, you can't tell me what to do. Well, here's the thing. Actually, He can. He can tell you whatever the heck He wants. And so when you then realise that, oh, okay, sure, I get it. God can tell me what to do. Then you move over to the equally immature thing to say, well, you can't make me do it. You can't tell me what to do. Yes, I can. I'm your father. Oh, well, you can't make me do it. Well, again, yeah, I can. But here's the thing. He doesn't. He calls us. He instructs us. But he never forces us. The yes is always our decision. And so you can say, oh, you can't tell me what to do. Uh, Yeah, I can. And I did. Oh, you can't make me do it. Well, I can, but I won't. Because I want it to be up to you, but I want you to understand that if you say no, there's a promise on the, on the opposite side of your yes. And if you say no, you won't grab a hold of that promise. You're gonna keep drifting. You're gonna hit the rumble strip. But guess what? There's two ways to shut the rumble strip off. Either correct or don't. Both of them just like the dashboard warning, will shut off the rumble strip. Just keep drifting. The rumble strip. Problem is, you're now on this side of it, heading for danger, heading for missed opportunity, heading for things that God never intended. And He's not a killjoy. He's not trying to hold you back from His best. He's trying to help us experience His best. He's not a killjoy. He's trying to deliver us to real joy. And let me tell you what some of that looks like. It looks like less frustration. Because if you looked in your rearview mirror, some of the frustration you've experienced in your life was because of you. Not all of it. Some people do stuff to us and we didn't have a choice. And we, but, some, but some of it was like, oh. and God said, yeah, I know. I saw that down the road. But you said, uh-uh, God, You can't tell me what to do. You can't make me do it. No deal. God wants us to experience less missed opportunities. Chances are, again, you look in your rearview mirror and you think, oh man, I wonder what would have happened if I'd said yes to that. I wonder what God would have done in me. I wonder what God would have done through me, but you thought you knew better, so you said no, you should have said yes. Less regrets. Less resenting other people, because here's the thing. Some people are experiencing promises that you're not experiencing. And the only difference is they said yes when you said no. And you're like, oh, oh, that sucks. And, 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 and we can project a resentment onto them, but it's like, why are you wasting your time resenting them? 
you have access to the exact same promise. And all it is is you said no, and they said yes. The thing about God is God knows that it's easier to lead us. Sorry, my 320 vision just uh, blacked out for a second. The easier it is to lead you, the more places you can be taken to. Hmm, boy, that's good. I mean, not good, actually. Why did I say that? That's unbelievable. The easier it is to lead you, the more places you can be taken to. I know, again, having been in church leadership for X number of years, 25 plus, I've seen people with incredible gifting, incredible talent, incredible calling on their life that never actually experienced God's fullness because they wanted to do things their way. They wanted to live wild and free. I'm gonna live wild and free. Well, here's, let me tell you one of the few things I know about horses. If you're a horse and as a horse you wanna live wild and free, the master is never going to take you to the mountaintop because the master can't trust you. So if you want to live wild and free, the great paradox is you're going to stay in the pen. And probably the horse that's not quite as talented as you, not necessarily as gifted as you, doesn't necessarily have the same level of promise or capacity as you, but, but the difference is they say yes to everything the master asks of them. That's the horse that, that the master is going to lead to the mountaintop. Because that horse can be trusted. That horse is consistent. That horse is reliable. That horse, when the master gets halfway up the mountaintop and the master says, hey, I want you to turn left, the horse turns left. It doesn't say, you can't tell me what to do. You can't make me do it. And you decide as a horse, I'm just gonna go wild and crazy. No, guess what? You can stay in the pen. And I'm taking the other horse. Well, that's exactly the same with us. God wants to lead us to the mountaintop. God can lead us to the mountaintop, but God won't force us to the mountaintop. He won't make us go there. And the thing that makes us qualified to be led to the mountaintop is a willingness to say yes to God when He asks something of us. And so I want to just finish by giving us a chance just to think on this question. And it's not a question that's tainted with guilt or shame. It's not a question designed to kind of dredge up regrets. Oh, gee. Quite the opposite. God is the God of the second chance. And so I wonder if this morning God might actually be yelling something that sounds like a rumble strip to us individually for something that we may have said no to in the past. And he's saying, I'm gonna give you another go. I'm gonna give you another chance at saying yes. And so I just wanna just open up a little bit of space here just for a minute or two. 
how about you and I ask that question of ourselves and, and, and just open up to God in this moment. Is there anything that you've said no to? Might have been recently, might have been some time ago, might have been something you read in God's Word and you were like, ugh, I'm, I'm no. It might be something the Holy Spirit prompted you in a, in, a, in a time in your life and you were like, oh, you, no. Might have been something somebody said. Might have been something that you, is there anything? And, and, and I can't answer that question for you. So, so I'm gonna trust that God, by His Holy Spirit, in this moment, it's gonna take a couple of minutes. Don't look at your watch. We got paid professionals to do that. Just open up your heart right now, literally right now. And, and, and I'm going to jump down and Joshua's just going to vamp. Just ask that question. God, show me. Like if you don't know, just show me. Is, is there anything? Or, or, or you may already know. You may have been riding that rumble strip before you even arrived this morning. <clears throat> and if and when you hear something, and it might be something small, or it might be something significant. It might be something you didn't think you could do, and that's the reason you said no. But God doesn't call us to do things we can't do. He calls us to do things that with His strength working in our lives, we'll see something beyond things that we thought we could do in our own strength. Whatever it is. Just take a couple of minutes now.
we just thank you that you guide us and lead us. We thank you that you make the way for us and then hold our hands as we navigate through your plans and purposes for us. Holy Spirit, we just appreciate you. We appreciate that you will guide us. You will give us that rumble strip. Show us our yeses and our noes, Lord. We just thank you so much and ask that you continue to guide us. Continue to give us that little niggle inside or that neon sign that shows us our way to go. Amen. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.